Well, hello there, terrible warriors. Welcome back to another Spotlight episode that we're doing. As you know, we're taking a break this year, this season, from our actual play, actual plays, uh, and instead focusing on more discussion-oriented stuff, like we're doing with our Session Zero series. I hope you're enjoying that. Uh, let me know in the comments uh, how you're enjoying that series. The Spotlight episodes uh, is my opportunity to introduce to you other podcasts that are still doing actual play podcasts and are still telling stories of their own. And I wanted to introduce you to them so that you can go through their catalog because Lord knows we've got a lot of time on our hands in this year that will never end. And I'd like you to be able to uh, listen to some fun stories and maybe uh, be exposed to some new ways of telling stories from people that are not me because there's a lot of other podcasts that do it a lot better than I could ever do. And uh, you've heard heard us now talk to uh, Rev from The Crit Show and Sean Howard from Alba Salix and uh, The uh, End of Time and other bothers. Uh, and we keep mentioning this Fable and Folly network. And well, this third interview is also here coming from that same network. And uh, I asked if they want to come on and they all said yes. And so that's why we're talking to them. Uh, today, I'm introducing you to someone from the Dungeons and Dragons podcast and also co-hosts the show with Sean Howard, who we've already talked to with DM to GM. We briefly mentioned that. And so welcome to the Terrible Warriors, Russ. Hello, Justin. Thank you for so much for having me here. Yeah. You, you're, you're, still, uh, you're still putting out Dungeons & Dragons, so you've actually been recording through this year. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we were... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, more, more content than ever before, I think, is what I'm trying to get at here. Um, yeah, we, so you didn't just keep recording. You just like you you went full octane. We were like, you know, why not just put out, you know, on top of our weekly show, another show and then another show on top of that and then Patreon content. So, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. But we were remote uh, from before. So you were you were remote from day one. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. 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 So when it came time to uh, everyone be isolated and no one gets to go outside anymore. It was an easier adjustment for you. Well, it was it was really no adjustment, right? Because um, so our, our show consists of myself uh, running uh, running the games, and then my wife, who is in the same room as as I am, and then two of our friends, uh, Tom and Carla, who are each at their own location, um, uh, hidden hidden away in the mountains of who knows where. I believe the official term on the map is parts unknown. Parts unknown, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I keep I keep forgetting that one. From the very inception of Dungeons, we've been um, we've been remote, and uh, so for us, it was just well, we just keep doing what we're doing. Fortunately, um, you know, from a from a little level of uh, of privilege at that point, because some some couldn't, and we totally uh, understand that. But yeah, we were very happy that we could just keep keep rolling on, bringing people great stories, making them laugh every week. So, yeah. so speak about the the inception of Dungeons and Dragons. How how was it? conceived where why why did you do it's a this very personal why, why, question why, justin why, <laughs> <laughs> why why would you why would you start an actual play podcast for you uh also what is an actual play podcast for you because everyone's got a slightly different spin sure. or variation on the theme and uh, and then why why how did dungeons and dragons come to be uh why was it why why would you do this to yourself <laughs> 
Uh, it's a good why? way to what? put it. What, why? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Why, there's a lot why of easier we... ways. If you want to do a radio drama, uh, <sighs> that that today that actually sounds easier. It uh, does. If you really? want to just play tabletop games, that sounds fun too. But why do them both at the same time? Well, that's, it's that level of uh, Mission Impossible that we like to achieve <laughs> in our day to day life, Justin. Um, but uh, well, so definition of actual play has kind of evolved since we've started. So maybe let's start with the the conception of it here. Uh, the four of us. Myself, Amy, Tom, and Carla, uh, we got together playing D&D around the table as kind of a one-off thing when we uh, all kind of collectively started listening to The Adventure Zone. You might have heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I had run tabletop role-playing games before. Everybody else had never played. And I said, well, hey, we all like this. Why don't we give it a try? So we all got together, and I thought I scared them all off with a first four-hour character build. But they came back and we played through a module and then it hit a point where uh, my wife Amy and I, we had uh, got an opportunity to move overseas to South Korea and uh, we took it. Um, but instead of letting the game die and letting our friends disappear, as sometimes happens when you move away from a place, uh, we said, well, we want to keep doing this. And since now we're in front of uh, computers and I need something to do to keep my hand in audio production because I'm a radio guy myself. Why don't we hit record and see what we can do? And so those first several episodes are we just hit record and uh, you hear my, our uh, Amy and my daughter singing jingle bells in the background. <laughs> and, there, you know, there's breaks for lunch uh, partways through. Someone's got to go make a sandwich or something. Uh, so they're very rough. But that's kind of how it started is... Uh, I needed a pro- I needed a project, but it was it was it was a game group that was already meeting and you were already playing and and you just saw an opportunity to just continue to re- just record those games. That's right, yeah, yeah. And so we took it and it gave me, like I said, the opportunity to k- keep my hand in audio production while we were over there for the year, and also expand my knowledge through the sharp learning curve of social media and marketing and networking for this medium that I really had no understanding of at first. Um, I mean, I had, you know, understanding of the base concept of it being in radio, but, but yeah. And then from there it was, how do we, how do we make this so that more people want to listen to it? Meaning, you know, more polished, more entertaining, more, yeah, rather a little than more just structured. being audio diaries of your gaming group. Exactly. To being something more, um, Enter like more packaged to be consumed yeah, by more, other people. More of a narrative and more of a yeah, an episodic feel to it, um, which is you know over the first season, which is uh, several years in real time, or at least a couple years in real time. It was eighty four episodes for our first season, Ooh. where we're playing through uh, Dungeons and Dragons module Rise of Tiamat. Um, nice. I think I've got that sitting around somewhere. It's a, it's a good one. I really rec, I highly recommend it. I mean, we based our, our, our entire live off of it so far, but, um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're committed now. We've committed. We love it. We love it so much. Um, but yeah, that was the first season and throughout that it was, you know, there's trial and error of, uh, adding music and sound effects, what to leave in, what to take out, all that sort of stuff, um, until we got to a point with season two where we uh, take that story that we were we were telling. We we kept season two in the same world, 
kind of post events of the finale of season one um, and split story stream. So now we actually have two separate stories with two separate characters going through at different levels um, within the world post um, no for no spoilers post whatever happened in the finale post season one exactly yeah yeah, um, yeah. so took so took this is it. like your phase three or your post end game <sighs> yeah uh, thing yeah so yeah took that it took that simple one one stream story uh, split it into two and then you know yeah took it beyond that after that so. Yeah, because yeah, it was it was just too easy. It was before. too easy. It was like yeah, you know too, why tell too... one story when we can tell two, and why yeah. have one timeline when we could have many? Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that tracks. So right? the uh, uh, where do you fall on the 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 editing? Because um, it was interesting. In my last interview with Sean, they they came to their actual play show out of a spinoff of their radio drama. Mm -hmm. And so they were very much as improvisers. And so the rules and the game itself really take a back seat as just a vehicle to help primarily tell the story that they want to tell. And if at any point the game gets in the way, they just toss the game. And, uh, and then that, uh, sideways moved into another radio drama just an improvised radio drama in the form of civilized mm -hmm. podcast uh whereas with you with dungeons and dragons it started as a play group then recording their games and so i find with like that was similar to to terrible warriors how much of the editing do you if i were to listen to it do you keep a lot of the table talk or the rules talk in the in the finished product or or is it more uh story uh specific and you'll you'll edit out uh, mm -hmm. most or all dimension because again in actual plays there's no playbook the, some shows to take a very strict radio drama approach to it where you you only hear the narrator and the characters and maybe once an episode i hear a dice roll and uh the other shows like crit show for example where the, the as uh as rav put it was almost like a tutorial or a way to teach you yeah. how to feel empowered to run your own game, and be a part of your own game. Where, where, where does Dungeons and Dragons fall into that? Uh, I like to think that Dungeons and Dragons kind of falls somewhere in a happy medium. Um, for us, like, if you listen to early episodes, there's, there's a, there's a lot of table, like there's, there's a lot of table talk and rules checks and all that sort of stuff. But over, over time, you, you uh, hopefully hear the evolution where we're, where we become much more story character driven. Like if you were to pick up an episode that dropped, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago, um, I just listened to your Waterdeep one before we were talking. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah. it, it hopefully comes off uh, much more grounded in the story, and there, like while there, while there still remains table talk. Um, we, we edit out any major rule stuff. We, I mean, we keep in dice rolls. Some, it's fun. Sometimes it's dramatic. It's, it's Dungeons and Dragons. We, there needs to be that myth of like watching the dice roll in slow motion. What's that, it going to land on? That's right? right. Yeah. And some and one of our players is uh, is notoriously known for having super bad rolls in clutch moments. So yeah, um, that's part of it too. And we want we want our listeners to feel like or be able to feel like they're sitting at the table with us. Um, so we're telling this uh, hopefully enrapturing story and you know deep characters and all that sort of thing but at the same time pulling back in those moments where you know you can you can laugh with us you can you can feel like you're part of the conversation with us and rolling the dice with us yeah so somewhere somewhere in the middle we we want to be able to 
to build an, an awesome narrative that when you sit down yeah. in those moments, it sounds like you're, you know, you're listening to a story and you're listening to something well thought out. And then, and then it can, it, you know, on that nat one, it can snap and you're back at the table laughing mm-hmm. with everybody at how, how bad it's going to go yeah. before you oh, hop dear. right back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That bit where, yeah, it, it's a little bit like yelling at the movie screen, uh, while, while you're watching <laughs> and, uh, uh, which can be really fun. A little like, like going to a Rocky horror screening listening to to your more recent episodes mm-hmm. I, I didn't go all the way back to season one you do have like that polish you can hear there's music uh playing in the background there's you got a little bit of ambience the mm-hmm. water dripping in the background uh, everything sounds very very clean and i can tell you've got a, a radio or an audio uh, production background or, or is yep. it you that's editing the show or is it yeah. do you have a, a, a group of people so yeah so I, I can tell that there's there's um there's a care put into how the show is being produced so that to be listened to, not just uh, uh, necessarily hitting record and, and, and going. Uh, and uh, and that's it's just really it's really fun to listen to. Tell me about the setting. I know you don't want to spoil too much because it sounds yeah. like stuff happens. Uh, but uh, who are we going to meet if we uh, if we join on to Dungeons and Dragons? Would you recommend we start right at the beginning, or w- sure are there a better onboarding places to jump into yeah like could we start at season two and then if you are really into it you can go back and listen to like the prequel or uh what would you what, what's your suggestion absolutely so yeah there's definitely a couple points starting it's you know season one app one is a good place to get the entire story from start to finish and if you start there you're gonna you're gonna meet our characters flint firebeard thea amastasia uh flint firebeard's a a, a a dwarven fighter who he's basically really just really good at fighting uh as you might know from building any sort of fighter in D. when uh, <laughs> yeah everything's a nail it, it's, <laughs> everything's it, a nail that needs hammering exactly. in this guy's world um yeah the amstasia a an elven druid and nulara moonbrook a human uh ranger um so they start at uh i can't quite remember but it's between level seven and nine um, where we start them because we had previously played and we just rolled through with the same characters. So you just kept your characters. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, around the table we played the first part of of the Tyranny of Dragons, which is Horde of the Dragon Queen. We had finished that, and then when we hit record, we started playing Rise of Tiamat. So their story continues, um, which we, we do a bit of a catch-up as far as what kind of things they ran into. So it's like there's an unaired pilot out there somewhere. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, so that's who you're going to meet in the first one. And they're, uh, you know, coming to the realization or have come to the realization that the, the cult of the dragon is doing some some bad, bad stuff, trying to bring Tiamat into uh, the material plane, the world that they live in. And we're set in the Forgotten Realm. So the Dun- Dungeons and Dragons um you know, fantasy setting that they have. That's where we're set. Um, and as you go through season one, they they find the things that they need to find and, uh, you know, to try and hopefully stop Tiamat. Um, the other onboarding point is uh, season two. Uh, we immediately start with new characters in season two for the first uh, 13 episodes. Um, they're young baby characters. Flinthia and Nulara at that point are level 15 or 16. Um, yeah, so they're getting pretty powerful. They're, they're pretty like beefy. They're, yeah, yeah. They're uh, uh, I know Dungeons and Dragons uh, sometimes breaks it down to like you got that zero to ten yeah. is that like traditional adventuring hero. Once you get from ten to twenty, 
now you're you're you've become quite legendary. Everyone is you've got a bit of a, of a reputation. You might even be in a position to start up your own school if you want to get to it. And once you get to twenty plus, you're legendary status you're now. Basically, like, God. You, yeah, you could move on to just straight up retiring your character and literally turning them into a spell that everyone else can use as following characters <laughs> if you wanted to. Mordenkaiden comes to mind. I'm curious with uh you're you're setting it in the forgotten realms you're playing dungeons and dragons in the dungeons and dragons setting how um true to is that important to you to set it in that lore or is that or is that just easy because it was it was it was provided for you how much of your own world building bleeds into dungeons uh throughout season one it's uh it's pretty by the book like we were following the module uh not really sure how long we'd be doing this at first or, or what mm-hmm. it would turn into. So we kept it pretty pretty by the book. Um, after season one, we it gave us the opportunity to uh, go much more open world. Now, that's not to say that we, we changed major pantheons or anything like that within the world, but it gave us the opportunity to look beyond what you know, the pages of a module told us um, and explore different cities and put our own flair and flavor within the world um Mm -hmm. and 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 we took that opportunity with season two where we start with these new characters who are at level one we actually start them like basically at level zero working towards all their level one stuff um so narratively they can you know learn those first spells and cantrips and come into those powers and learn that you know the 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 abilities to fight or at least explain how they got them in that moment and then because the world um, shifted, um, at least in our eyes, after the season one finale events, it gave us the opportunity to spin how the cities interact with each other and how the regions you know, work well and don't work well together and explore that as this new big bad, um, which not really a spoil, but um, uh, Orcus is the big bad in season two so far. Um, so how they're coming into the story and what they're trying to do and uh, and influence the world in and of itself. So through the eyes of uh, it, people becoming adventurers, essentially, uh, how it is for them starting up in this post-Rise of Tiamat type world and... After season, or after episode thirteen, within that second season, we bring back our original characters and see from both the like the bird's eye view of that high level character who can basically plow through anything, which is yeah, which is very true because we had an episode right after we brought them back where we I threw basically an entry level encounter at these level sixteens, uh, and they just obliterated it in uh, in far less time than i flicked their fingers oh, i was and, like uh, well uh, i forgot which session i was planning for clearly right, yeah, uh, yeah um, remember those damage ratings yeah uh but it we every every city we go to like there's different forgotten realms wikis that i go look at to see kind of what this city or region would have looked like and then tweak as necessary based on how we've kind of molded the world to our own liking. This is fascinating to me because I've interviewed now, like, as it turned out, in order here, we had, not including Crit Show, mm-hmm. uh, for Crits and Giggles, and then uh, End of Times and Other Bothers, and now and now yours, are all like a swords and sorcery actual play. But those other two tried to 
remove themselves from Dungeons and Dragons. For Crits and Giggles, uh, plays D&D 5th edition, but mm-hmm. not in the Forgotten Realm setting, in their own setting that they've written. And uh, End of Time and Other Bothers, of course, is based off of the Alba Salix universe and was looking for, they ended up playing a Powered by Apocalypse uh, game that could replicate the experience of Dungeons and Dragons without having to play Wizards of the Coast D&D. Yeah. And, and you're you're kind of picking to stay in both of those worlds, both in the in the narrative and in in the mechanics. So, what is it? I'm curious to know because I run Dungeons and Dragons games. Mm-hmm. I just don't do them on Terrible Warriors, and that has unfortunately created this implication that it sounds like I don't like D and D, and that's not true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I if I didn't, I wouldn't have the books, and I wouldn't be running games privately for people. But um, I don't do Dungeons and Dragons and Terrible Warriors because they don't need my help <laughs> anymore. Yep. And there's a, and there's plenty of others who are. Uh, so what is it for you that uh, attracted you to Dungeons and Dragons versus why not another game? Or was it just at the time that just wasn't, was this no question that this was just going to be the one that you were wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So we, we went into it in season one, again, not knowing what was going to come of it. So we, we were like, we anchored ourselves in that world. And then once we realized that, okay, well, people are actually listening to us and we, we can have an audience here. We didn't really, like we, there, you're right. There is a certain level of comfort in staying in that world just because you, you know, you've worked in it for, uh, by that point, we'd been playing within that world for four years. You know the language, and it's it's a case of exactly. you know you don't want to just do science fiction. You want to do Star Wars. Yeah. You don't want to just do like it's one of those. You if you already know the world, it is learning a different language yeah. to play in a different game. And you know, and and if if the if the story of of D and D works for you, then moving away from that into like Forbidden Lands from Free League Games, mm-hmm. it's it's similar in genre, but it's a very different world tonally. It is, yeah, yeah, and we, like, we we've explored um, through our Patreon first, like different game systems and different storytelling uh, genres um, and ways to go about that, and that's where kind of facing fate comes in. Is it became or has become our outlet for other worlds and other stories, whereas we can keep dungeons uh, within. Within this fantasy, Dungeons remains true to its origins. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, facing fate is the branching out. Yeah. Property. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's not to say that Dungeons for forever and for always will be within Forgotten Realms. Like we've been we've been talking about, you know, beyond the story that we're telling now. Um, that's our kind of next point to say: Do we want to stay in Forgotten Realms, or is have we told everything we feel like we can tell, um, and look beyond? So at that point, we you know the world is our oyster uh, which is sometimes a scary thing to say as well um, but yes facing fate is the creative exercise for us it, to say well what other stories do we have to tell and what game systems are out there that we can use to tell them um, well, what kind of game systems have you played uh, so first season is fake core where we uh, told a oh, well, that is the name of the podcast I uh, well it yes slowly <laughs> slowly but yeah first one uh, first season we played as uh, for our patreon it was patreon exclusive content it was just like you know we're doing this thing where we play a different game system bonus content whatever it is um, sure, but we yeah. loved doing it so much so it was originally only six episodes um, when we decided to turn it into its own thing, uh, facing fate, 
Um, we we expanded it to a full ten episode season, and uh, so sorry uh, genre. It's a, a science fiction horror thriller. Uh, so it's set on a moon base uh, where there's a a viral outbreak that these uh, these workers, not even really extraordinary people, but workers, uh, have to try and escape and figure out what's going on. Um, very, it was very fun to do because we started playing it like, because we, we played it like we played dungeons at first, you know, we're trying to be as funny as possible. Um, but I had this vision that I wasn't able to articulate, uh, for this, you know, serious, highly edited, um, more audio drama style thing, uh, that in, in the after, like in the first episode, when, when I, when my players listened back through, they were like, Oh, oh, that's what you want us to do because I had to cut out all their, you know, stupid beep boop so you're, phone you're playing stuff. It more straight and more yeah. more serious, and uh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, Terrible Warriors has a similar reputation of uh, being a comedy podcast because we've had comedians on the past, but m- the more recent games I've been really drawn to are um, sad or right. tragic or serious or stories of resistance and, and overcoming problems. And those don't tend to like lend themselves to slapstick too well. And yeah. Not so, as well. No, I've, we've tried every time I try and get serious on dungeon, someone makes a, a dick or a fart joke and it, it, it no longer is serious. <laughs> so facing fate is my place where I can be like, no guys, we're being serious today. Just we're putting, just we're putting the it. color filter on. That's yeah. right. So yeah, fake core sci-fi horror thriller uh, going on up there, and then season two, which is uh, just wrapped up, um, is uh, the game is Urban Shadows. So kind of oh, like perfect. yeah, monsters live among you, or you are the monsters living among real people. We set it in uh, mid '90s Toronto, you know, Canadian roots. So they're you know three unlikely heroes is what they they hopefully become trying to stop like world ending events happening from like cross uh, cross into fey and stuff yeah urban shadows has been one of my um games on the short list that i've wanted to play uh for a very long time it's been on my shelf and i just backed their second edition kickstarter that was also this year they added a bunch of cool stuff to it yeah it's one of those uh i i I really liked um like monster hearts which is another power by the apocalypse game And, and and the power by apocalypse genre of games like a style of games right. uh, and urban shadows is just one of those like I, I feel like I've, I've I've set myself up of putting it up into this mental pedestal now where I don't want to play it because I'm afraid I'm gonna wreck <laughs> it because I've got such a I've such a anticipation for how much fun I want this game to be well see wait for version two and then play that one and then if it's not quite what you thought it was going to be just blame it on the fact that it's version two and then go back and play version <laughs> yeah, one yeah. And be like, I liked the original that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. I, knew, I liked it before it was cool yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh, so how how was that for you it, it, it with season one and two of facing fate mm-hmm. are they connected by stories or is it an anthology that starts a new story yeah no it's an antho and excuse me anthology so each season uh as of right now in and of itself can be self-contained to itself so no real connections uh, have been made or you know foreseeingly yeah. will until be made. season three until comes out where you reveal exactly. that both of them were one was existing as one a simulation a, within yeah, the right, other dream and, state of yeah. the other one exactly <laughs> no we're actually in planning we haven't started playing yet but we're in planning for season three and we're um have you announced what game you're playing with um that? we haven't um okay. but uh, i mean that's uh, so we're coming up with our own 
Oh, you're doing a, your own system. Exactly. So we're using uh, like a Powered by the Apocalypse style base to it, but we're taking, we're building our own playbooks and we haven't, yeah, we haven't really announced anything story-wise. Wowzer. But yeah, yeah, so, you know, again, taking something that is already difficult and making it more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're coming up with our own kind of system because nothing we could find was really could encompass the idea that we had, but we loved this idea so much that we're just like, let's, we we just need something to make it fit. And, and pretty much we're going to, it's going to be heavily relied on, you know, our lovely improv abilities. Sure. Um, And then it's a plan to release your game to your Patreons. So uh, that they can have these playbooks, or are you just gonna keep it very quiet and under the, yeah. under the covers? Um, we'll we'll see how it kind of all comes together. We're just putting everything together right now. Our first record sessions in January, so about uh, yeah. well, a month, month and a half away. And uh, yeah, I mean, if it if it comes together in such a way that uh, it makes sense to release it. We will do that if it looks like a bunch of scrawled notes on a page, which sometimes my notes do. We probably won't release it and just say this was fun. <laughs> Last year, we interviewed a number of developers that had Kickstarter specials, and yeah. uh, we had uh, different people on with with, with different games. And uh, we had Daniel Kwan on uh, to talk yeah. about Ross Rifles, uh, which is a Canadian World War One. RPG yep. and it's also powered by the apocalypse and we got a really interesting chance to talk to them about the design process that went into this game and 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 the challenges they went up to and they were able to take their prototype to I believe it was Metatopia where they met up with Mark Diaz Truman from Magpie Games who was also mm-hmm. involved in Urban Shadows who sat down and playtested their game and gave them back their feedback originally in Ross Rifles the playbooks were all built around um, ranks in the military okay. so you had your lieutenant you had your uh, an enlisted you had your, your newbie, you had your commander. Um, and the feedback from is Powered by Apocalypse playbooks are each their own story. Yeah. And so you see that in Masks from Magpie as well, is they're not about your powers as a superpowered teenager. Uh, in Masks, each playbook is a, a trope it's a story that wants to be told it's the legacy the next in the long line of heroes or it's the janice who is living a double life and their parents don't know that they're also a superhero or it's the protege who has an older superhero an adult who is training them to become a superhero of their own or the beacon who has no superpowers at all and and just loves being a superhero anyways yeah Uh, and 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 they each tell a story and so with ross rifles they took that and and had to throw out all their playbooks and rewrote them to then tell a story. So instead of it being the lieutenant, it was the lone wolf. It was, or it was the survivor, someone who right. has survived another company who was recently old, they all died and you're the only survivor and now you've been brought into this new company and everyone knows you're the only one who made it out from that last conflict. Yeah. Uh, and so like, and immediately like, you get these juicy dramas before the games even yeah, started. You had all these and, preconceptions that you wouldn't otherwise get with, you know, someone who's just going through the same plot line essentially. Yeah. yeah. And Powered by Apocalypse games are so strong at that. And there's things that they, you know, they, 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 I think that the, the muscle tissue of a PBTA game falls apart when um, you try to get it to 
be versatile and do a lot more things all at the same time versus picking that one thing it does really well and do that. So if you're doing a do Mad Max, do Mad Max. If you're going to do superheroes, do superheroes, Uh, but don't, uh, if or specifically teenage superheroes in a city of superheroes, the minute you want to be an adult or a villain or leave the team, you've left the game and it doesn't work anymore. And so, uh, yeah, I'm 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 going to keep I'm interested to see what you do with your third season of Facing Fate. That sounds like a really not just a, for a podcast or a drama or a writing, but just from a design challenge uh that that sounds like a um I I really interested to see what results come out of that. Well, thank you. I I hope it yeah. comes out really well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Cuz I don't even know what's going to happen. We'll see. I'll have to have you back and we can we can play test your game here. Perfect. Uh with uh, with with complete strangers who are unrelated to your podcast. Oh, we'll it terrifies me here. to know and yeah. Justin. Oh. Yeah, we'll, we'll change. Well, that's what we'll, we'll, oh. we're terrible warriors, but we'll be terrifying warriors Yeah, no. Jeez, took a nice just interview. Feel, <laughs> just like my just feel stomach your sphincter oh. just clench right up like, hey. oh no. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, if it if it comes to something that's like there is a viable product there i'd be more than happy to do that so um but yeah and so uh the last one here we have i guess we're talking now as we get into kind of the running of games Mm -hmm. you have dm to gm that you also run with sean howard Uh, what's that all about this is not an actual play podcast this is another uh, thing that i guess came out of both of you and your um your journeys of uh tabletop and podcasting and and discovering other systems and the challenges that came with them, right? Yeah, exactly. So Sean and I met at uh, PodCon 2 in Seattle. Um, I mean, we'd previously met as part of another podcast before that, but really met and and hit it off there. Um, And, you know, we both walked away from that saying, we want to do something in the future. We don't know what it is, but we want to have a project that we can we can work on together. Um, me being from the, uh, I get, well, I get, I get spun as the more rules heavy D and D guy. He gets to be, I mean, you're doing a D and D podcast set in forgotten realms. Yeah. And you've done like 150 plus episodes. Yeah. Uh, and you've never wavered from like you're tracking levels and experience yeah. and you're, you're doing a lot of things that even other D and D podcasts don't, bother with so uh, which i'm not saying is a bad thing i'm just saying is a remarkable thing oh well, thank you uh, and and it's something that a lot wouldn't um want to because it would just be too time consuming or too difficult or too sure. overwhelming yeah. and uh it is um it is stunning to see not just a show go ahead and do that but to have survived for so long <laughs> and still sound so good that is a that is not an easy task to do well, I appreciate all those kind of words. So I'm, I guess I'm not painted as that. I am that. That's like, like it's not the yeah. like, and and to say like the rules lawyer. Like again, it gets a bad rap. But y- yeah. you, it, you have somehow figured out how to navigate this thing um, elegantly. Whereas when I run Dungeons and Dragons games, I go, uh, we're not doing levels. Sure. We're not leveling up. You're all yeah. going to be this one. And then I, we do milestones as arcs go by. Yep. You're all level eight now. And like we're not going to be at different levels. We're not going to have different levels of progression because I don't, don't want to keep game track I of play. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, me... Uh, rules D and D guy Sean more improv fly by the seat of your pants PBTA yeah we just Dungeon talked to him he, yeah. he intentionally said if at any moment a rule gets in the way of his game he tosses it out the window uh, where uh, end of de- time another bothers 
they're technically playing a tabletop RPG. Oh, they're not playing a tabletop RPG. I mean, yeah, they have Dungeon World on their website, but that's about as far as it goes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then they say, roll a dice, just yeah. so that people remember that I we're playing a game. I think they just say, roll for fairy cakes, just to remember that it's a game. That's about the only thing I've heard them roll for lately. Um, but, uh, so, we, we came together and said, well, we're but coming from... tabletop, in their defense, there are tabletop RPGs yeah. out there that don't have any dice. Exactly. And yeah. don't have any G. Yep. and don't have any levels or experiences and totally. are just free form role playing game there is a there is a tabletop role playing game out here that i've got called fall of magic right. that is played with four tokens on a map Wow. that's it you don't even make your characters in advance you, you discover them as you play through the game oh, that's awesome. there's another one it's not it's i guess it's closer to being like a larp that i got at gen con it is played with a deck of cards and a mm. stick of candles and you play it out in the forest um <laughs> and it has to be played out in the forest yeah it has to be played out in either in a park or a forest or a field with a campfire wow uh and it's called night forest and huh. it is the most uh it's it's mostly it it's really like a meditative larp uh, right. a game on meditation you pick up a card you're not supposed to look at it it's got foil lined images on it and sure. then you light your candle when you're alone and the card will reflect the light and it'll have an image on it and oh. then you're to invoke a memory from the image on that card and keep going through until you find one that you like it can be real or imagined and then start walking through the woods as that memory Whoa. until you find another candle holder who is also walking through the woods as their memory. Meet together and one at a time share the memory to the other and exchange cards. What? If you get the same card twice, extinguish your candle. You're now a forgotten memory. And if your candle burns all the way down and is no longer lit you also become a forgotten memory. And then you walk around the, 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 the woods following the other remaining candles, listening in on their memories being shared until there are no memories left. And then you all return back to the campfire and have a little breakdown. Wow. And that is the, that is the most wild role-playing experience game I have like ever heard. No, yeah. Right. And, and, and I've had a few friends who like, they want to do that for their birthday party. And we meet out in, in yeah. the park and we really, you can rent a, a campfire. Uh, or you could go out to someone if you have a friend who has a farm sure. or you want to go out camping in the woods. And uh, it is, uh, it, and, and it couldn't be further from like what we're currently talking about. Yeah. Right. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I could, I could imagine someone like Sean would just eat that game up yeah. so <sighs> hard. I'm, tr I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think out the logistics here of how to turn that into an actual play, and it's not working out very well. There's a lot of uh, remote equipment a, going on here, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you, you'd be recording it like Ghost Hunters, where everyone has cameras yeah, on harnesses over their faces, kind of audio it, Blair Witch feel to it. Like, well, it, it, it's, the idea is like it's a LARP, right? it's yeah, a live action yeah, yeah. role playing. It's not something that is intended to be done over Zoom. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah, it's just one of those one of those things. But but the same maker who did Night Force also did Fall of Magic, and Fall of Magic is played on a scroll that you roll out the map as you play, and you move your tokens along the map. And there's some forks in the road as you go along the map, and uh, you're not supposed to look ahead. You don't want to spoil yourself. And there's prompts on the map, and the oh. prompt can be like you're on a bridge, and it says you're facing the river, and you just play out your scene, and the scene ends when you use the prompt face in the river. And that could be you look over the bridge, you see your reflection in the water, or someone comes and tosses you into the river. You're never rolling dice, ever. And and when it's your scene, everyone else at the table kind of plays the role as a collective GM, helping to fill in the, the descriptions and the NPCs and offering stuff, but mostly they're listening to you 
tell us like a ghost story, tell a story based on that prompt. And then everyone takes a prompt. And when you're done, you then move to the next location on the map and you keep moving across. You don't really know beyond the character name who you are until you start playing. And then um, as you travel through the map, it's revealed to you what kind of person you're playing now. As Hmm. you, uh, you are told at the beginning, magic is dying. The magus is dying with it. We travel together to the land of Umbra where magic was born. That is all of the world building you are ever given about the story. And every single time you play it, that phrase that I just read to you will read differently. What is magic? How is it dying? What is the magus? How is the magus dying? What is Umbra? How are we traveling there? Every single time that can be different. I've played games where the magus is an organization. I've played games where magic dying is a good thing because it's holding the entire planet hostage. Uh, I've read games where magic dying is a terrible thing, where nature and laws of nature are falling apart, Uh, or um, where we travel uh, being chased by an army or we are chasing the magus who is trying to get to umbra first and we are trying to stop them uh and it's it's every single time you play it it can be done very differently that's awesome. it's wonderful it's an awesome like world building character building like just way to really anchor like even taking that mechanic for a lot of other games like if you were to implement that mechanic within a lot of other games like you would have much i think deeper storytelling that you would be able to come across like as using that kind of mode as like a start point for a lot of different stories and stuff. I think that'd be really cool. Cause like Dungeons and Dragons is um, the center of the universe when it comes to tabletop role-playing games. There's just no denying yeah. about that. And, and yet there are some things like, I think by default, the rules don't, equip the players to themselves become storytellers yeah there's a lot of an assumption from the player that the dungeon master is the storyteller and i am just a participant in their story and i get to interact with the map or the uh, challenge or the combat and i'll get to describe how i kill a monster when i succeed but really i'm here to have a story fed to me by the dungeon master who has either written it or is using a module to tell that to me um Whereas games like what I, what I was just talking about now or Powered by Apocalypse games like Urban Shadows, there's a lot more of um, an intention that the players themselves will be involved in telling that story. Sometimes yeah. in, in some Powered by games, even more so than the GM themselves mm-hmm. or the MC or whatever term they're using in whatever game they're playing. Whereas a, a, a game like Urban Shadows, where... Uh, you are not just creating characters, but you're creating the organizations they work for, the NPCs they're connected to, the cities and the districts and the cities that they work from. And uh, that you're building this entire world around it that then the GM is reacting to. And now the GM isn't telling their story. They're telling your story. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Dungeons and & Dragons can do that, but it doesn't by default. And, uh, and it doesn't um, uh, lend itself to educating the players on how yeah. to be a storyteller the way it educates a game master to be a storyteller but, and uh at the very least i always recommend if you've got like and i'm now talking more to the listener not to you russ <laughs> if you've got a group that mostly plays dungeons and dragons and you're having a hard time drawing your players out to interact play a game like fall of magic for one night or play yeah. a, a, a another a, another setting that is much more story based just for a bit just to give them a moment of freedom to be able to feel like 
a lot of times at a tabletop game, I find the storytelling and the players that don't want to do it, it's a confidence thing as well. It's yeah. like not feeling like I'm smart enough to tell this story or it's not my place to tell this story. I don't want to step on toes or mess up what you're doing. Whereas um, I mentioned in my last interview with Sean, my favorite Power by Apocalypse game, Russ, is Worldwide Wrestling, the role-playing game. Oh, yeah. I and haven't played it, but yeah. It is It is beyond the fact that it's pro wrestling that's that, that is actually the least important part of the game. Right. What it does is it teaches the players that it is not only okay, but expected that you are going to mess up the GM's plans. Right. You want to screw up their plans. And and I I want you to come in and knock over this deck of cards and spill it all over the floor. That's that's what's interesting here. And it really teaches like the structure of a story and how to build up heat and drama between characters because it's all done through the mechanics of a pro wrestling show which is a soap opera on steroids also completely exposed and naked with no nuance of any kind and when you don't have any nuance it, all you have are these really naked truths of how a story is played out and uh and so you you know in a wrestling match who the villain is and yeah. who the hero is and where the drama is coming from and who to cheer and when to boo and you want that in your tabletop games as well even if you're playing with shades of gray and nuance and and uh, i find that that extremeness that you get in in worldwide wrestling the role-playing game ends up once you then go back to D, it's really hard to just go back to a generic swords and sorcery game where characters are just playing um tropes it's, yeah. uh, you, you find that the drama just starts, people just start building heat amongst each other. And the thief is saying that you're taking too much of your share. And the bard is now singing songs about the, the, the ineffective fighter and spreading rumors across the land. And everyone just starts playing against each other. And, uh, it, it gets really fun in that way totally. that, yeah, anyway, yeah. I go, but I, I digress. That's okay, yeah. No, that <laughs> I went good. on a bit of a tear well, there, I apologize. No, that's okay. It reminded me of, like, I mean, we've talked about the evolution of dungeons, right? Like how we're, you know, more character-driven and all that sort of stuff now than we were. And there was a moment in season one um, that where we realized that if we wanted this thing to progress and to succeed and to grow into something, you know, bigger and, and th- than it was, then we, we needed to stop playing the game so much. Um, there was a point where we had a guest on and, you know, most NPC interactions in, 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 at least in my experience up to this point had been like, if you run into a, a non-player character, that non-player character has to have a piece of information that you other, they must have exposition. They need they must to give have, you something. Like, it's, it's Chekhov's gun. Yeah. You, you, you have introduced it. You must use it. Yeah. Um, whereas when this guest came on, I didn't give this guest anything. Like I was like, come up with a cool character, give them a sweet backstory, and we'll just use it as like a, a character moment. We'll just, you know, build out the world, so to speak. Um, well, they're, yeah. they're all sitting around the campfire after whatever combat that they're they're undergoing. And like they just start like firing questions at him being like, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? What do you know about this? What is, dude didn't know anything. Um, and he got to the end of it. He was like, well, I mean, it was a fun session. You know, the combat was great. You had lots of laughs, but I, we didn't get to talk about any of this sweet backstory of this character that I built. I was like, yeah, that happened. So I went to the players after the fact and I asked them, I was like, so when you walk into a bar, or you walk into a, 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 a place where you don't know anybody, 
What do you do when you sit down at a table with somebody? Do you ask them where the gold is? Do you ask them where, you know, where you just what, interrogating the, what, Han Solo? what yeah. the prime minister's doing for lunch the next day? Or do you say, hi, my name is, how are you? What do you do? Where are you from? You know, what come here often? Come here yeah, often? Exactly. What kind of movies do you watch? What books do you read? Like you find out about them. And it was just like this, this moment where you could just see the, the gears start turning and everything clicked. They were for playing them. a game and they weren't thinking exactly. of these characters as people. They were looking at yeah. like, you know, encounter to it's encounter. It's like Skyrim. When you walk, yeah. when you're playing a video game and you go up and you just start going through the dialogue tree until you get the thing you're looking for exactly. to progress the quest. But yeah, no, to make it something more, like even if it wasn't an actual play or anything like that where we're putting it out, like that especially helped us um, deepen the world and deepen our characters. But like to to bring life to the, the character sheet that you're playing and to bring life to those non-player characters and to make it seem like it, you know, when you turn the corner, that non-player character isn't just going to evaporate into the air, but they're actually going to go do something as well. I also have to commend your players for being even not a little bit suspicious about your guest character. Uh, can I tell you a, a, a very quick story? Uh, one of my very first games I ever played in high school. Uh, it was uh, I was part of an improv team. My history teacher at the time was like, well, you should come and play Dungeons and Dragons. It's kind of just like improv, but with a few extra rules. And you don't have to get off your desk. And <laughs> and so we met after school and we started playing D&D. And, uh, and we were playing second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And he was murdering our characters. When our characters characters would die he would come over he would take our character sheet rip nice, them in half yeah. and tell us to go home and come back tomorrow for the next session That's awesome. and he would send us home <laughs> when we died we would leave the room oh, we man. were dead and it was it was brutal and we had another teacher that was uh he was running the tech uh, uh, crew, like the stage crew, and so he was our he was our buddy, right? He was a younger teacher. I think he was only in like his early thirties at the time. I remember because when I turned thirty, he then sent me a message on Facebook and went, "You are now as old as I was when I first met you." And I was like, "God dang it, Mr. Wilson!" <laughs> and so he um. We we like we asked him if he knew about Dungeons and Dragons, and he said he did, and if he would join us because we needed some help with someone who knew the game to beat Mr. Badger, and. Uh, uh, and he so he joined us and he and, and, and we found him at the tavern and we in, invited him to join our group to come with us to the mines to go fight the kobolds. And he agreed to come along with us. And of course, by the time we made it to the final room, we found that the boss in the final room was already dead. It seemed to be killed by a lightning strike. Right. And we turned around just as the wizard got up from the desk and sat at the right hand of the dungeon master and proceeded to one by one execute all of us. <laughs> Oh, it's and we glorious. had been detecting evil the entire time, but yeah. assumed it was in the environment yeah. and not in the actual evil wizard we had just recruited from the tavern. That's amazing. Who, of course, the minute we recruited him to our game, yeah. he went to the teacher's lounge and went, you won't believe what they just did. They just asked me to come join your D&D game. And he's like, excellent. And then the two of them collaborated to create this great story. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> So whenever from then on, if I'm playing a game where the dungeon master has created a character or has invited someone to play an NPC that we're to meet in a tavern, I just assume they're a hired assassin. They've got to be. So, like, there's got to be something off to. about them. There's something That's else going great. on here. <laughs> You know, it's not to say that I haven't done that because Sean, uh, Sean actually came on our show and played Tiamat in the finale. Uh, so yeah, he it was excellent, which is great because he doesn't like playing a game with a lot of rules. No, so make him be the god. Make him be the god that has the most <laughs> rules to follow. It was a little bit of a win on all fronts there. Um, so after that, 
because of reasons uh, they, there was a lack of trust. But then, you know, a few guests where, you know, they're just fun and they're having a great time. And then there was another guest where uh, Kyle Classett from Bombarded came on in, in season two, again, as, uh, you know, a foil that we eventually find out. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta give them a, a lot of good and then, and then, you know, just twist the knife a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the, the twisting the knife is when you know that like they care about their characters absolutely. and they care about the world. Yeah. Like if, if, if it's all just sunny days, um, then you have nothing to compare it to. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, roll back here to, uh, oh, and to backstories too. Playing games where you have a character who's written this elaborate backstory and then it never comes into the actual game itself. Mm -hmm. And then they go, well, I didn't want to do this because in my backstory, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And I'm, well, why, why didn't you say any of that? We went through a four hour session and it never came up. And, and now the game is over and you're feeling, uh, like you, the it, the experience was shortchanged and not as fulfilling because it, I had a brief touch on that with Sean um, about improvisers versus writers mm-hmm. when we're playing tabletop is you get players that want to just improvise in the moment versus some players who want to write a lot of backstories for their characters and write between sessions about their characters. And then when they come to the actual game, it's, again, it's because it's that, that muscle. Yeah is different for everyone uh, between being able to react in the moment to letting it percolate over time. Uh, whereas for me, I, 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 I don't write anything between my games. I, I couldn't be bothered. Uh, it's that joy uh, everything of, happens in the story. It's that joy of discovery, right? You know, the forest game, yeah. it's, it's that whole, um, like you can have an idea of a character and, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've written many a backstory for many a character, but it's it's all about how you can for me it's all about how you can take that and use those decisions that you wrote down to influence the the choice that you make in the moment and one of those things i found that was really helpful to bridge the world between those improvisers and those writers uh, was uh, my friend Kate, also from Magpie, as I mentioned, uh, writes love letters to her characters in between sessions, okay. especially if she's running the games. Yep. And they kind of work as a recap when you come back into the next game right. to remind you of what happened in the previous session. Oh. But it's also in world to characters from other characters. And so for the writers that like to develop their characters in between sessions, but might struggle improvising developments in session, uh, it allows them to write to those improvisers so that they can use, if that backstory is important to you, but you're feeling it's not coming up in your game, write a love letter to one of the characters. I mean, I use love letters. It's just just the name. Write a letter to one of the other characters in the game so they know a bit about your history yeah. and then they can improvise with that. Yeah. They now have something more in their tool belt that you have shared with them. And so it, the onus isn't just on you to have to bring that out. And they've gotten this letter and they know a little bit more about your character and they can use that in a scene because they might not want to write in between sessions because they have ADD and they can't stay focused well, long enough for it. Well, and it just gives you, and, that, you know, more fuel to build off of. And, you know, I speak about to, myself. I, I understand. Um, <laughs> I totally get it. You know, our, our, one of our other players, Tom, he runs a Patreon game for us where I get to play. And it's it's often the joke, how long is it going to take before Russ runs this off the rails because he's so constricted being a dungeon master that he just wants to be free as a character. It doesn't take long, usually. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's a, that's an awesome way to, you know, give that improviser some more to go off of, but also, you know, gives you that time to 
you think about all the decisions that you have made and, and will make and all that sort be of stuff. Be mindful about what yeah. your character is doing and 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 consider uh, how it's impacting the story around them and the other characters around them. Because we can sometimes, uh, in a game like Dungeons & Dragons, get really caught up in our own personal character story mm-hmm. and and not see the forest from the trees anymore and not see how, you know, how is this impacting? Like, okay, we stopped bandits on the road and then we went into town, but where are those bandits working for? Where is that food going to? How like, Is there yeah. something bigger going on here that I'm not aware of because I'm just too focused on getting to level seven? Oh, I love that. You know, you make it, you know, they make one decision and then it comes back to bite them, you know, you know, three or four sessions later, right? Like you run into that, the next level up in that bad guy tree who's now ticked off that you killed somebody or, you know, looted oh, yeah. them or, yeah. No, I, I I love it. If they go out and they decide to kill the highway bandit and then they go into town a couple days later and they meet, you know, the washerwoman out there who's sending out a quest going, oh yeah, my husband's out there on the road right now. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what it is. And you're realizing that you've just killed him three days Yeah, later. he's not, I and mean, you have this like, he might be oh, home soon. I gotta uh, go. <laughs> we gotta get out of town. <laughs> Because these people aren't always like, it's not all black and white, right? Yeah. And um, there's a, a game, the game we ran earlier this year. Have you ever heard of Spire? The City Must Fall? Uh, heard of it. Haven't, uh, haven't done much with it. It's by Rowan, Rowan Rook and Deckard is the company, the publisher that did it. And so you play as dark elves, drow, right. in, uh, in the, your ancestral home of Spire, which is this super tall tower, goes way up into the heavens and has existed longer than uh, any of the elves have uh, before. No one knows who actually built spire but the drow have always lived there as far as they remember and 300 years ago uh, an alliance of high elves and humans waged war on the drow and the drow lost that war and the high elves are now in control they now occupy spire and they uh, uh the the drow serve underneath the elfer and uh and, and work um for this very cruel government that uh, is now trying to erase a lot of drow history and language and culture. You play as a drow who has lived their entire life in Spire and has now very recently joined up with the Ministry of Our Hidden Mistress, a secret death cult that is uh, organized for the sole purpose of relieving the Elphir of control of the Spire and returning it to drow hands. And your job is to infiltrate, subvert, and to like to take t- city guards mm-hmm. and turn them to your cause and to uh, you know, bomb warehouses or capture politicians or whatever it takes. You only level up in this game when you change the city. Right. It's not about your characters. When you change your surroundings, good or bad. So even if you if a mission fails and everything falls down and things are way worse than they started, still counts. Still counts as an advancement. That's awesome. and and, and it's a, it is a game about resisting systems of oppression yeah. and, uh, and and overcoming that. But also being set in a very familiar Dungeons and Dragons like setting, using a lot of similar phraseology like gnolls and drow and the, the magic and the world about it. Except you're not fighting monsters; you're fighting city guards who are also drow, who are also just part of this wheel of oppression that everyone is sucked into. Right. So how far do you escalate things? Do you actually do you just try to knock out the guard you try to turn them to your cause do you kill them because that guard's got family of their own they're also part of this city you're trying to save how far are you willing to go to accomplish these goals what's the line you'll never cross and what do you do when you have to cross it and that's the themes that this game really plays along with and then you go back to dungeons and dragons it's impossible not to think that way anymore yeah once you have started considering that the next time you meet a highway bandit 
you, you think about who that person is, right? Like who's yeah. this, like everything becomes so much more humanized, yeah. and uh, and and even or not even just a highway bandit, but uh, the goblin in the mine. I mean, yeah. they're quote evil characters in D anD D, but they're like still are some they? sort of they're still they're uh, intelligent yeah. creatures with, with a, a society of their society. own. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and they all work together, and they just you know they don't have access to a lot of industry that the that the humans and dwarves and the rest have, so they steal it. Because they're uh, forced to the edges of society and painted as these. I love making goblins my little heroes in the stories whenever I can write an adventure of my own because uh, they didn't. they don't, they don't deserve half the things that are thrown. <laughs> they're, they're not just XP mill, okay? They, yeah, one of our one of our uh, most loved NPCs is a goblin, a, a goblin sorcerer pirate who kind of tagged along one day. Yeah, yeah, they're goblins are kind of to orcs the way halflings are to humans, yeah. and they can be played kind of similarly that way, right? Goblins just love life. In fact, Forbidden Lands is another game from uh, uh, Free League Games. They do a twist on the goblin. Uh, uh, halfling relationship they're actually the same kin right. in Forbidden Lands uh, they're halves of the same moon the dark side and the bright side and they at one point in the past uh, the gods split them in two but uh, a halfling has a 50-50 chance of giving birth to a goblin and a goblin has a 50-50 chance of giving oh. birth to a halfling and so but no one they don't tell anyone outside of their kin about this they kind of it's like their own little dirty secret and so uh, it, before the curse that came to Forbidden Lands that made it the Forbidden Lands they would go to a place called the Cradle and and the, the 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 pregnant goblins and halflings would give birth, and then their babies would be matched up to their type, oh. and then they would return home. And the husbands might not be told, or the fathers might not be told that this baby is biologically theirs or not. Right? They don't ask, don't tell, and and so. All of halfling culture is growing up like this, like put a smile on your face, suburbia hell, <laughs> where you don't know if these are your real parents or yeah. not. And all of goblin culture is this like hedonistic life that lives in the in the forest that protect the shires, uh, uh, because they also they know that their cousins in there and they, they because their cousins look more human like they try to pretend that they're not like the goblins right. and the goblins just love leaning into it hard and riding wolves and running naked through the woods That's and hilarious and and it's just a, it's just a fun twist on those two. Uh, on those two kin yeah. uh, compared to just being short humans and <laughs> tiny orcs yeah. uh, like actually making them like linked in that way uh, and then uh, and then and then discovering that secret in in the story uh, is is again that might not be true in Dungeons and Dragons yeah. but it makes me think about it well, that there could uh, a be little bit yeah, more that there ways. could be more beyond the page absolutely yeah so back to, to DM and right, DM. that's what, what we were the, talking about. <laughs> we, we went off on a, on a wonderful ta- tangent. I, I really liked that. Uh, DM and GM, what is, what are you, what are you, what's the so goal the, of DM and the GM? The goal of DM to GM is hopefully to help our listeners uh, feel more comfortable starting games. Like one of the, like both separately, Sean and I found within our, you know, discords and social media, you know, behind our shows that people were looking for games people were hesitant to start games um, because of inexperience or fear because of all these actual plays and crit- critical roles and adventures on and all that sort of stuff that kind of put put game running up on a pedestal that it doesn't need to be up on so it is the terrible burden of these actual play podcasts and or going to Gen Con yeah. is if you're going to be the one to buy the game 
I hate to break it to you. You're now going to be the one who's going to run the game. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and you might go, oh, this is so cool. I want to play it. Well, tough. You're going to be the runner. You're going to be the GM Because the only way you're going to find you a group it. yeah, is to go find your friends and say, okay, well, I'll run it. I'll run it once. And then 12 years later. <laughs> but when you listen to these podcasts, when you listen to Critical Role or Adventure Zone or the rest, what you're getting is you're mostly hearing the player experience. So yeah. you want to be a part of that. You're, the, the GM isn't the star of the show. Not really. The players and the characters are. And, and yet... <laughs> The audience that listens to these shows, if they're going to want to get into this hobby, they're now going to be playing the role of director. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and it's it's really it was one of the the revelations I had with Terrible Warriors is realizing so many of my listeners were becoming GMs, right? And that my audience was not an audience of players; they were an audience of soon to be or currently or potential GMs. Right. And realizing that you know maybe I should be framing my show with that intention of letting them know more about what's going on in my head and not necessarily as much of what's going on inside the players' heads. Yeah. Um, because there's still a lot of mystery about how to run a game. Well, and it can be really terrifying because can, it's like learning the magician's tricks. That's right. You can run. You can be a, a, a DM or a GM for your entire life and still learn something new or it's come still, up with. And a I still cool have imposter syndrome. I still think I'm running my games wrong. Oh right, yeah, totally. Like I'll, I'll finish a session and be like, "So you guys think that was cool? That was fun? Yeah, yeah. Everybody have a good time." And they're like, "Yeah, we had a great time. What are you talking about? We laughed. We had act, there was action. There was all this. I was like, yeah. oh great. Yeah, thanks. I'm so afraid. <laughs> I'm so afraid to go to a convention and play with other tables only to." find out that maybe that person running the game is running it better than I could because I've been running this game wrong the whole time. <laughs> yeah, so there's just one little thing you're like, oh, this is, I'm playing this wrong. I did it wrong, but it's not wrong. And that's, uh, uh, you know, to, to bring it back here, the, like that's what DM to GM is. Like there's, we present ways to um, incorporate uh, rules positively um, you know, know, know which things you need to get a game started. And oftentimes it's not pouring through the dungeon master's guide or the you know the 400 page instruction manual it's picking up the base rules and then building off of that so using yeah i mean both sean and i really lean heavily on uh, on improv and storytelling and uh, and using the the game to guide your story and if the game does get in the way uh, or you can't think of the rule immediately, figuring out ways to just roll with it, make a ruling as opposed to a rule and progress. And as long as everybody's having fun, then you're doing your job more than appropriately. You're doing your job to the best of your ability. If everybody walks away having a great time, um, then that's that's hopefully what we're trying to impart with dm to gm is giving you the tips and tricks and tools uh, to feel comfortable sitting down, not knowing what you're doing when you start, but getting into it and and just having fun, knowing it's not just your not just your player's game, but your game as well. And as long as everybody kind of comes to the table and and has that mentality, there's no one person's responsibility to run a game, then everybody's going to have a much better time. So the, the the GM masterclass. That's well, in a sense, yeah. I mean, it's mostly <laughs> it's mostly a bunch of fart and dick jokes, but you know, it's it's, it's a good good time in the end. <laughs> Russ, this has been a really fun conversation. I want to thank you for spending your time with me. Well, uh, thank you. Between Dungeons and Dragons, Facing Fate, DM to GM, if uh, I've been listening to this and go, I want I want to hear everything you've done. Where can I follow up uh, with you, and where can I find? 
your content? Sure. Yeah. You can find uh, any of the three shows in, in uh, probably any podcast app you have on your phone. Um, the quickest way to find us on the internet is go to dumbdragons.com. That'll bring you to like our production house landing page where you'll be able to find links to all three of those productions, as well as a little bit more about um, uh, our myself and, and our other players, Tom, Amy, and Carla. Um, I mean, we're on Facebook and Twitter, but again, dumbdragons.com, that'll get you all the, all the good clickable links. I'll get you started and get you out there. Yeah, that's right. And uh, for you, dear listener, I've also put everything into the show notes, so be sure to click through onto those links, and I will be keeping you up to date on what we're doing next. We still have Session Zeros that we're recording. Don't know exactly which game we're playing next, but follow us on Twitter at Dice Warriors, where you can follow up to find out which games we're doing and who we're interviewing. Uh, if I've got any additional content or, or conversations, that also ends up on our Patreon page. Uh, do you have a Patreon page, Russ? I do, yes. Yeah, you do. Where are is that patreon.com slash dumb dragon cast come join us over there we've got a great goal where we're trying to make like a whole bunch of really good stuff where, where uh, i don't dm but i play several characters and all three of the other players dm f- for me it's gonna be a oh great my goodness. time yeah oh, my, oh the tables have turned You're right so it's just like a revenge flick is what i think it is into. one of the yeah. characters <laughs> is one they really hate too so i'm sure it's gonna go really well <laughs> So go go check out that page and our our page ter- uh, patreon.com slash terrible warriors uh, where uh, I've been posting a lot of just public posts if you want to just follow the account where you can see uh, the process that's been going into building this season and the thinking I've got and different ideas for different formats. If you've got a podcast of your own that you are listening to that you would like or or even if one that you're making if you're if it's actually a podcast of your own that you would like me to interview and and feature on a terrible warrior spotlight, uh, reach out to me feedback at terriblewarriors.com or on our Twitter account or discord or find me on facebook i don't care where you reach out to me from uh, i'm easy to reach and uh, i'll be sure to sit you down and and we'll talk about about that show and, and reach out to them uh same deal with session zero if you've got a, a character generation uh, process a, a favorite game to make characters in uh, that you think we could talk about and and look into uh, send that tip my way as well uh to the same accounts and uh we'll we'll look into it into a future episode uh, for now that's all i've got thank you you've given me uh, way more uh time than than i expected i appreciate it for your time russ and uh, i wish you all the best uh, with your next season of facing fate and uh how much more is uh, dungeons and dragons is currently in its second season is that just continuing for the foreseeable now ah uh, yeah it's ongoing yeah. I, I have an end point in mind but it's a long way out yeah 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 it's like episode 60 something last i saw yeah so. we're, we're, we're releasing uh, as this is recorded we release our next episode is episode 69 so perfect time to jump on hey, obviously nice hey, uh. <laughs> and uh it, and, and of course dm and gm uh, dm to gm yeah. is, is available to listen to so have a listen to those three that's three more podcasts for you to listen to uh to, to help bide your time well we're not putting out actual play podcasts of our own Dungeons and Dragons sounds like a great time Facing Fate I am going to listen to that Urban Shadows one because at the very least maybe it'll help scratch my itch of playing that game uh, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, Russ take care and I hope we'll uh, we'll, we'll connect again uh, in the future and see how things are going absolutely looking forward to it Justin same to you and to you dear listener thank you for listening in and until we meet again be good to each other bye